Black Hill Energy, heating homes across County Armagh. Fill up your tank for a rainy day with County Armagh's fastest growing fuel company. For latest prices, visit our website at www.blackhillenergy.net or call us today on 02838 324 Black Hill Energy, Ansborough Industrial Park, Lurgan. No matter where you go, you know, there'd be a lot of our history is hidden. And if you couldn't give birth in silence, you were taken by yourself um, out into this screaming room, this block shed. You could be in a, an asylum or you could be in a, an abandoned house. They all have different feelings. You'd lens a £2,000 on a 5000 camera and he's swinging this at these cows to try and <laughs> keep them back. There's like mudslide, it's like Tahiki's castle or something. This is your RMI host, Elaine Ingram, and you've just been listening to the voice of Sean Donegan, also known as Nuri Man Lost. Sean is a photographer, a historian, and an urban explorer. He tells us some amazing stories um, about the photos he's taken. Some of them are incredibly sad and tragic, but his other adventures and the lengths he's gone to to capture the perfect shot, sometimes risking life and limb, are in turn hilarious and jaw-dropping. So let's hear from the man himself. Well, Sean, it's nice to see you. You are what they would call uh, an urban explorer, is probably the best way to describe you with your um, work on Yuri Man Lost. Would that be correct? That's it. Yeah, I suppose that's an accurate description. Well, Airbex covers a lot of genres. Um, I had a huge interest in history and it sort of fell in when I was, um, was photographing historic buildings and writing history pieces. Um, so which came first, the photography for you or the interest in history? A um, bit of both. Um, I'm, I've been photographing all my life now, um, probably in one way, shape or form for over 30 years. Um, so I grew up during the 80s and what got me into it was the troubles were still on so we had a lot of street movements around the houses. Um, the helicopters used to land in, the, in the, the field behind the house so there was always something going on, something interesting to photograph and that sort of put me into the, um, the train of uh, thought of uh, like journalism photography, capturing a story through photo- photography basically you know and it went on from there. Um, then. When I was a student, then photography took the change over from, from analog film to di- digital and just you couldn't afford to get into it at that stage. It was so expensive. So I didn't do anything for five or six years. And then I bought my first digital camera again then about 15 years ago. And then started doing it professionally then about eight years ago. But Nuri Man lost its going about eight or ten years now, you know. Yeah, and it's it's hugely popular. It's gone an awful lot in popularity. It's got awful popular, yeah. Um, I sort of took the foot off the gas for a couple of years because um, I'm working for the press and I'm working in the fashion industry, so that took up a lot of my time. I was working seven days a week, so even the website for New Man Lost, I unpublished it because I just didn't have time to keep it up to date. Um, the last lockdown, um, obviously I couldn't run my studio, I had no work for the press and I had no work for the magazine so I started doing landscapes and um, the abandoned building so I, I, I republished the website and started gathering gathering up stories and going and visiting different places where we were allowed to travel you know. So I'd say that the lockdown had a positive impact on me that I, I took it back up. Um, I think I, I've had to learn that um, to, uh, to do more of it, you know, because I, I kind of live for it, you know. But yeah, now um, it's got really, really popular. Um, well, some of the pictures are incredible. Yeah. They really are. And <laughs> it's the, it's, it's, you know, you really do tell a story with the way you, te- the way you take the photographs and, you know, the yeah. whole atmosphere and everything. All the buildings, like all the buildings I go to have, have a story. They have a history, but sometimes a hidden history. Um, and we get a feeling when we're in the building, so I try and capture the feeling through the photography. It might sound already farty, but you'll not know it till you're in one of these. Or you've been in multiple different buildings. You could be in a, an asylum, or you could be in a, an abandoned house. They all have different feelings. You know, I was in mother and baby's homes. Yeah, I noticed um, that. And you took one outside the Marion Vale home. Yeah. Uh, it kind of tells a story in itself. 
I have a full a full album on the Marion Vale home, so I'm just writing my piece on it at the moment before I put the photos up. It was one that I've been looking at for a long, long while because um, it was due to be developed a few years ago, and development was stopped because they were wary of or thought that there was ba- babies' bodies buried on site, so they had to do ultrasound tests on the. Which is quite controversial. Yeah. Yeah. So I sort of stepped back from it, you know. Um, it was quite sensitive at the time, but yeah. I done a mother and baby's home then last year, another one, and we were kindly asked to sort of sit on the photographs for a while because the book was going in the dial then to suppress the files for of these uh, mothers and babies for thirty years. So we were asked to sort of hold off for a while, and. Um, we held off and in the meantime some of the residents of that mother and baby's home had actually been in contact with myself and Cal from Uncharted Ireland. One of them's actually wrote a book, but they're actually telling us, you know, inside information that you will never you'll never find out, you'll never read. But we were able then to gather background information. One of the ladies pointed out to Cal that in one of his photographs, um, we looked at the photograph and it was just a black shed, we black hut on a suman in the grounds of this giant um, hospital facility and she was telling us that um, that's the screaming room and she went on to describe it um, in the mother and baby's homes you were seen as an unclean woman if you had um, if you had a baby out of wedlock so part of the part of your punishment was that you would have to give birth without any medication um, or uh, pain assistance and you had to give birth in silence as part of your penance and if you couldn't give birth in silence, you were taken by yourself um, out into this screaming room, this black shed. All you had was a mattress. Um, so there's things like that that you would never read about. And then um, after some time, then we published the photographs and we had more people coming forward. Um, it, it hit big time in the news and, you know, it's been, it's just, it's been everywhere now. Um, so then going back to the Marion Vale home then, we, we knew it was here, so I just wanted to wait till the time was right to uh, to tell that story because people yeah. drive past it every day. If you're going on your way to Armagh, a lot of people would know it as Sister Concilios. Yeah. Um, but people don't know it's... It's, it's history. It, it has a dark past, you know. And as far as um, the ultrasound tests and that there for the, the, the ground, there's definitely something... Well, th- that's the thing. They were definitely they, they said that there were the results were worrying. Yeah. I think that was the term they actually yeah. used. Yeah. Without person, I think it's a bit of crap because I, I can name I can name the last home we done was Castle Pollard Mother and Baby's home. They didn't have uh, the graveyard on site. It was three quarters of a mile down the road, and they buried the kid children in shoe boxes. So you can imagine how small they were. So, I have this thought in my head that, um. There's bodies, there is bodies buried on site, but I think they're buried under some of the more modern buildings. When it became Sister Concilios, they built like gymnasiums and with concrete flooring. So I think the graves are there. Um, there's no smoke without fire. Every every. Well, there mo- is a, they're, they're calling for another investigation yeah. at the moment. Every mother and baby's home in the country, regardless, they've all had a high infant mortality rate. What were they doing with the bodies? You know what I mean. So yeah. the bodies have to, there has to be some trace, and they have to be held accountable. You know, um, and I suppose like, you know, this hobby of mine has spiraled out of control over the past years, and you're actually reporting on things that you want. You know, you want help in some way to have these stories made public. You know, um, yeah. and do in some way to help these people's stories be, you know, help them, you know? Yeah. Um, so suppressing files for of people's lives for thirty years. It's just a big cover up in my eyes, you know. Yeah. You know, so Well there is uh, you know, I think there is gonna be further investigation I hope of so, that. Yeah. So I hope hopefully so. that'll happen. Yeah. You've much more um you know, you've a lot more positive um Stories, positive, yeah, positive photos. Yeah, positive, yeah. Um, I saw you put up something about the Mary McAleese Bridge that you were nearly <laughs> killed yeah. and nearly arrested. One of the main photographs I, I wanted, I had across the two lanes of traffic. So I had a time, cars coming down the road to see what sort of window I had to, uh, to get across the road. Now, 
Um, Gareth McCullough will tell you, like, uh, uh, it was the fastest man in the town at one stage, but I put on three stone from then, so I'm just not as nimble on my feet, so I wanted to, <laughs> I wanted to make sure that um, I had enough time, so I actually had a, between cars or between traffic, I waited, it was 11, I was coming, I was working in Dublin, and it's coming up about 11 o'clock at night, my, the photo I was looking to get for, for months and months and months was central reservation off the road going up through the leading line up through the Mary McAleese Bridge. So pulled the yoke over, got a few shots from the side, uh, took the speed of the cars, ran across the road then with all the gear and set the camera up on the tripod in the middle of the central reservation. So what I was doing was it was long exposures to get the, uh, the trails of the lights coming down each side of the motorway. With the Mary McAleese Bridge in tow, so one uh, I I I layered three ten minute exposure, so I stood in the middle of the road in the centre reservation for thirty minutes, and I finally you got there. You were in a high visibility festival. There was a few cars slowed down because I thought it was guards, you know, with the speed camera. But um, so I got my shots anyway, and I don't know for whatever reason, turned around to check the traffic to see uh, was there a window opportunity for me to uh, get back across the road or be there all night. But I looked up on the uh, on the overpass then the guards had spotted me. So they jumped in the car to fly down to, to get me. So I had to jump on the oak then and head for the water, <laughs> smoking in the bandit style, you know. So it was, um, well, I'll just say that there's a, a big uh, a big celebrity has put an order in for one of the photographs anyway. So oh, really? Yeah. Can't name anybody, anybody at the minute. But, uh, Unless it's somebody... Posing as a celebrity, it's really a cop trying to find out. Who I find out who this guy was. Don't go across the border. We we're waiting on you, you know. Yeah, but like, there's always an adventure. Um, You've had some uh, adventures, um, not just um locally but overseas as well. I, I yeah. want to hear about your your Swedish adventure. I know you told Arma I about this before. Yeah. But, uh, um, well, I always travel everywhere with Cal um, on Chartered Ireland. It's, it's safety reasons and. We've been doing it a long time together. Like some of these buildings we go to are very, very unsafe. So God forbid anything happened to either one of us, you know, we could, you know, do the obs explore with somebody, you know. Like um we went to Sweden. Sweden was one of our foreign adventures. So we had only seen the New York Times had done a piece on this abandoned car graveyard that had been abandoned for over twenty years, I think, at the time. And uh I get this message through from Cal and he says, what do you think of this here? And I goes, Jesus, that is absolutely amazing, you know? Jesus, that's bucket list material there, you know? So that's okay. I was saying to the wife, I says, look at this place here. And we're watching the TV anyway. I got another WhatsApp then through about 15 minutes later and he had booked us the flights. So I couldn't, I, I couldn't say no then that we were going. <laughs> so two weeks later, we're on the flight to uh, SAS Airlines into... Uh, into Oslo, got the car, drove down in the Troxfors, that was our base. We knew Troxfors was the uh, the closest town to the location, but we knew nothing else. There was no other information available, no GPS, no nothing. So the chalets we were staying at, oh, it was an amazing place, like it was a, it's like a fjord and with these wee wood, wooden cabins, it's just a beautiful country. Like and So we kind of asked the locals, the locals didn't want to know, they didn't want anybody kind of going in here the place and we were sort of lost and until the two uh, two girls working in the hotel, two chalet maids, we could crack them with them. Um, the directions they gave us, they didn't pinpoint it, but they says you go down that road there on the right, you keep going and when you think you went too far, you haven't went far enough. Right. <laughs> right. So there's two Irish boys in a car in the middle of, of the Swedish countryside now. The, the markings on the road started to disappear. So basically we're on this uh, tarmac path just as wide as the car. And I said, Cal, I said, Jesus, uh, if there's banjo music plays now, <laughs> we're <laughs> getting out of here, you know. I don't mind not squealing like a pig tonight. <laughs> so we were going on and on and it was just wilderness. There was not, we hadn't seen a house in about half an hour, you know. And um, I said, Cal, this is brand new yoke wave. I don't want it wrecked, you know, and he says, we'll go another bit. So we went on another half an hour and we were driving in the forest at this stage. I said, oh, we're going to have to turn back because it was going to be starting. It was getting about an hour from darkness. And he says, no, go on another bit. So we drove on another half an hour. And I says, right, the next chance I get, I'm turning back because I, I didn't want to wreck the car. And then just up in the distance, we're seeing this flash of red in the forest. And it was this big old Dodge um, pickup truck. Um, and it was red with rust and 
It had aged to it, you know, and I says, well, here, we, we can't be too far away now. We drove on another 20 minutes and I went, boom, this just big opening. Came into this big opening and it was probably the size of the, all the meta football pitches, just this big opening. And there was like three or four old houses dotted around it. And it was just in a mass of classic American cars, like, right. and we, we were just blown away, you know. And we go, it, we, it, it was exciting because we found the place and we didn't die, you know. <laughs> we didn't die, we found it. And, um, but that was only the, the tip of the iceberg. We decided then we come back the next day and we'd explore fights. And we come back the next morning, we come back early morning, like the sun had just come up, the light was beautiful, and we started photographing. But we started to venture into the forest. And there would be openings or clearings in the forest of maybe 30 or 40 cars of one particular brand. So you'd have Buicks here. Then there's wee pathways going off. And you go down this pathway, you would have Volkswagen Beetles. The other pathway would be Corvettes. It's bizarre, isn't it? So when <clears throat> when the drone went up, we discovered this site was probably the size of Newry, this graveyard. This car wow. graveyard was probably the size of Newry. And we spent the day photographing it. But um, we captured as much as we can. We have some of the photographs up um, on my Facebook. I'm going to be, I have more photographs to go through. There's everything there from a Mercedes to Porsche, um, you know, Corvettes, that everything was there. So the story behind it then was that there was two Swedish uh, brothers after World War Two when the American GIs were heading back to America. They weren't allowed to transport the cars with them. So all the cars that they took over during the war, um, they were left there. So these two brothers decided then they would take their pickup and they were going and dragging all the cars back to this, um, well, scrapyard, you may call it, in the uh, in the middle of the Swedish. Because um, everything's so expensive in Norway. And you'll find there's a big American car culture in, in Sweden there. So they were making an absolute fortune there. They actually ended up millionaires. Um, by taking the GI's cars over and then it just gathered and gathered them. Because Norway is so expensive, um, the likes of Trockfors and all those bordering towns that are on the Swedish border, Norway-Swedish border, they're all like, um, you go there for your shopping, so they, the shopping's half the price as Norway. And uh, it was the same with the boys with the car graveyard, the people coming from all over Norway to get parts and bits and pieces for all all their cars. So they, the guys ended up millionaires from these cars left behind by the GIs but there's a sign up on the um on one of the houses they've had problems or issues um over the years with people breaking in into the houses now the houses are they're abandoned now with all these houses and then there's bigger sheds in the um in the forest and things and they've all part car parts of chassis and then another house has exhausts and another house has chrome bumpers and it's just everywhere it's 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 you have to see it to believe it. It's 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 unreal. So, but on on the house, this will stick to me to the day I die. There's a, a notice up, and it says, "Please feel free to work away and photograph the cars. That is no problem. Um, but if you please stay out of the houses, don't break in out of the houses. Break into the houses. We have had enough. We've set up booby traps in the houses, right? I I I have the photograph of the actual notice." I don't remember word for word, but that's um, we we have set up booby traps in the houses and um, and remember out here nobody can hear you scream, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you're thinking like all the horror films you've and seen this in is your where life. This is where the banjo music is playing in my head, then you know, um, but curiosity got the better of me. I goes, I wonder are they talking a load of wallops here, so. Walked up to one of the houses and the door was open, walked in through the door. Now, you could see there was a bit of vandalism had happened where people had been coming in and wrecking the place, you know, but there was people's lives still there. I photographed the house. There was like uh, their pianos, their sheet music. The oh, kitchen was intact. Creepy. Yeah, like all their um, cutlery, you know, pots, pans, all their, you know, their furniture. It was like somebody closed the doors in the 70s and, and just left it there, but... Then I, I went to open another door and something just says here, hold on a minute, like, and I, I stopped and I, the door was half open. I looked up the top of the door, there was a pulley in the door, but the other side of the door was an engine block. So if you had to pull the door, the engine block would have dropped on your head, right? Oh my God. So obviously I, sh I, I, I sort of, I says, right, it's time to go. <laughs> 
But I was going out, I, I sort of, it was dark in the place and I was going to go out through another door and something else told me to stop and I looked down there was a pitchfork nailed to the ground. So if you had opened the door, you were walking, your shins were walking right into the pitchfork. So they weren't bloating when they said that they'd set up booby traps. That's the only ones we find. So I wasn't hanging about till, till the chance anymore. anymore. Maybe through a floor or something, you know. Um, that's the sweetest adventure, you know. Belgium was another one. That I will not forget in a hurry Belgium. Um, I suppose I I can I can name the location now because the location's actually knocked down. Um, they it's outside a wee town called Cells down uh, near the Belgium Luxembourg border. We it's it's somewhere we'd always wanted to visit, but it's completely off the radar. But we discovered that it was going to be getting knocked down in a, in a few weeks' time. The owners um well everybody in the village wanted it to be preserved because it's. It was such a beautiful, beautiful building. It was like a Disney Disney castle, basically, yeah. with all the turrets. And it, it was absolutely unreal. But they call it the Chateau Miranda, or Castle Nose. depends on who you're talking to. It's given two names. But it was actually occupied during World War Two by the Nazis. And then it was a school, you know, and then it was a private residence. So it would remind you... Um, it would remind you of, you know, just this typical, typical fairy tale castle, you know. So, but the, the legend goes that the um, there's a caretaker um, on the main road and um, he fires off a shotgun at you. So to avoid him, we, we didn't want, you know, we survived 30 years in the Troubles. I didn't want to be getting shot in Belgium, you know. <laughs> so we decided we'd bypass the, uh, the caretaker. So the only way to bypass him was um, up a 45 degree vertical slope for about an hour. But the only thing was that it had rained. It had rained in the meantime, so there were actually three of us. Um, there's me, Cal, and uh, Colin Collin as well. We were trying to make our way up this vertical slope, but it was like mudslide. It was like Tahiki's Castle or something. We were falling down. We'd get up so far and we were falling down. And we, we, after about an hour of just pure solid heartbreak, we uh, we got it and oh, it's breathtaking, you know. And we went into it, like in some of the features still there, the colours, the paints on the walls, you know, the architraves, the... Again, like I have this habit of jumping in the baths and taking selfies when wherever I am um, around the world. And I was going to do the same in Chateau Nose, but you'll see the photograph on the website. And I just looked before I got in, but the actual bottom, the enamel of the bath is gone. And you can see right down two floors. So if I had jumped into the bath, I would have been two, two floors, floors down. <laughs> so that would have hardened me, you know, but. But we sometimes what we do is we fly over in the morning, so we got a six o'clock flight in the Brussels International, and we're getting a nine o'clock flight home. But we didn't anticipate falling and tumbling and wrecking ourselves, and and guy busted my teeth and everything, uh, falling off a balcony, and um we, but yeah, when we were going home, it was kind of surreal. The Paris attacks had been a few weeks previous, so they are security had been stepped up so it was army patrolling the airport and you had to go through oh no they had um, questions for you at that that you had to go through yeah you had to go through the army checkpoint a mile coming up to the airport then army checkpoints to get the car back into the rental yes then we had to go through these specialized tunnels but there's three yokes from ireland coming mucked and guttered <laughs> the eyeballs full of surveillance equipment and you know uh drones and the whole lot so <laughs> we're not gonna make it home you know interpol's gonna gonna snaffle us here you know but we get they just talk one look at us and i think they felt sorry for us and let us let us go on the plane but belgium sticks out as a as one of the it was a mad adventure too like you know but i suppose it was all but in the back burner there we had trips planned last year because of covid we couldn't yeah, you're still, you're still here we now. But there's get, plenty of stuff going on here. There's yeah. plenty of stuff going on in Ireland, but there's the other side of it. There's the vandals, and they just like vandalize. Well, that's it. You don't, you don't um, name a lot of the places that you. I don't. Um, I take you know. I'm, for I, that very reason, but, I did see a, a photograph of vandalism or a video you put up. Yeah, on, I photographed that place um, not too long after it closed, and it's absolutely beautiful. Beautiful. Um, just even even the chapel alone, the, the workmanship in the chapel alone, the, the mosaic tiles on the floor has a direct central line that runs up symmetrically through the stained glass window on top of this. So the work that went everything, into that. The workmanship is absolutely out of this world. People just come in and they, they got their jollies out of 
breaking every bit of glass in the place. I mean, they really destroyed it. Absolutely destroyed it. Moved everything into the centre of the chapel and lit it in fire. And then decided to proceed around the whole building. It's a big building. Broke every window in the building. Broke into the offices and wrecked all the filing cabinets. Put all the files of people's documents. So, you know, we tend not to... Um, name a location because it's trying to prevent the vandals coming in behind us and destroying it, you know. It's it's heartbreaking when you see what it was like and then you see what how cruel people can be. Like um, unfortunately it's everywhere, you know. Everywhere we go the vandals will, will they'll do they'll get in, you know what I mean? They will get in and destroy the place. Um but there's plenty of places undiscovered in Ireland as well, which is quite good. We were talking about the Slumman Tunnel earlier on. The Slumman Tunnel, this. yeah, it's a freaky one too. I like, was, yeah, I was yeah. there myself and it's absolutely beautiful. And how the good thing about the Slumman Tunnel is that unless you know how to get there, you are never ever going to find no, it. No, you're never going to find it. You're never going to yeah. see it from anywhere unless you know. Unless you know where it is. Unless you know where it is. Yeah, you have no chance. It's a mile long tunnel yeah. for anybody who doesn't know. It's, it's the longest railway tunnel in Ireland or Europe or it's one of the long it's the longest in Ireland definitely and you, you know yourself you've seen it in the workmanship and it, it was just incredible but you can't see much when you're in it because it's well, black it's pitch black and the further you go down well I went but then your eyes adjust it's so strange once you once you uh, I would tend to use a red torch in a, in a situation like that and it allows my eyes to adjust quicker for the uh, it's less intrusive of the red light you know for walking up through the tunnel but I like I, I like to photograph it at night. I've seen everybody photographing it during the day. So I set up different strobe lights throughout the whole tunnel and I done a lot of line painting. So we're doing a lot of line painting on a mile long tunnel. You're sort of wrecked by the end of it, but I got the shots I wanted, but I was at the other end of the tunnel, the other the other opening of the tunnel. But my torches started to fail. And I'm a, I have a mile to <laughs> pure blackness, um, with no torches. And uh, so I took my phone out and I was using the torch in the phone and I was getting so far and then the battery went out and that. So I was using a lighter and everything trying to get That's out of it. So scary. And in the end then I had to use a strobe, one of the camera strobe lights and his strobe flash and he says, I hope that God I don't see a face in front of me in this strobe. Um, I got out, it was, it probably took me 10 minutes getting to the end of the tunnel going in but coming out it took me near an hour and the, the water's dripping down, and you're getting touched in the shoulders, you think people's whispering in your ears. You're, That's you're, what I heard. Yeah. I, I could swear that somebody whispered in my ears. Yeah, it's it's completely freaky, like, you know. So I got out in the end, and then when you get out, that's not it. Like, you know yourself, when you get out of the tunnel, there's other um, obstacles to, to encounter before you can get back to the car, even. And, you know, there's fields and there's muck yeah. and there's, oh, there's cows as well. Cows. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk, oh gee, talking about cows, we were near Kilt in Cork there last year. We, we decided we'd go on this big mega adventure down the Cork and I made five different locations to uh, to visit. So we were going quite well. We we um, I picked y'all up about six in the morning in Dublin and we had two locations done by one o'clock, two absolutely massive spots. But there's, there's this uh, one we wanted to visit um, and it was an abandoned bus graveyard. Um, yes, I saw those. I yeah. Saw that picture, yeah, those might have been my last photographs because I'll tell you what, you laugh at it, but at the time it wasn't funny. We couldn't find the place. Um, GPS took us in the general location, and um, so we parked the car up anyway, and we were looking at the GPS and it was showing us over these fields, and it's about five k across cross country across these fields. But the fields turned into to ditches and briars. So we're going through briars and ditches, and then coming out of the forest into a field, having to go back in, uh, cut left, right, and centre with thorns. We were bleeding all over the place. Had to go through a shock. I lost my shoes in the shock. After about two hours of toil, we we found the location and. We weren't really blown away with it, like, but we got some cracking photographs where there was an old Dublin city tour bus. All the old, all the old Ulster buses. It's funny to find all the old Ulster buses so far down the country in Cork, but yeah. that's where they go to rest. And so we photographed the entire place and we looked at the watch and says, right, well, it's going to be getting dark soon. Um, we'll have to head back for the car. Um, he says, well, why don't we take this pathway here and that's bound to lead us to the road because we could hear the traffic and things. So. But we get over the, the mound and we're heading down the field and there's maybe 200 
cows oh, no. in the bottom of the field and we're walking and they started running towards us, you oh, know. No. <laughs> I looked at him, he says, they're running towards us. He says, what do we do? And he says, I don't know. He's from inner city Dublin, so, you How know. How would he know what to do? <laughs> I said, well, I know. So I says, right. So we decided we'd turn back and go back the way we came. But we didn't see the other herd of cows. The other herd of cows. <laughs> they had circled in behind us. And he goes, what the hell are we going so there was this mound of earth, and he says, right, well, we jump up in the mound of earth, right? So they're all coming, and I says, think, 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 what do you do, what do you do, what do you do? And uh, I look down, there's cows down on the I says, these vickers can climb. <laughs> so we're up there, two, two hee-haws, and um, they started systemat- systematically charge up the mound on us, heads, heading first. Were these bulls or cows? The, we, I, th- I thought they were deer, I thought they were dairy cows, but it turned out they were, they were bullocks, you know. Oh no. Uh, and, um, and Cal's swinging his, he, he, he lends a £2,000 on a 5000 camera, and he's swinging this at these cows to try and <laughs> keep them back. And I was doing the same on the other side, when this one would stop, this one would charge, and we were just completely encircled. I was like, you terrified. Terrified. I thought this is it. And this moment of clarity. What an embarrassing and, way to die. Yeah. <laughs> After all the places I've been to in the world, Sean Donegan, Newry Man lost, dies, charged down by dairy cows in court. And he goes, I don't want that as my obituary. I am not going to die today. So he says, what do we do? What do we do? And he, Cal starts videoing it. Right? He starts videoing it. He says, what are you doing? He says, he documents it right and he, the nervous laugh because obviously we're chitters I was resigned to the fact that this this was me and I said to Cal I says I'm not going to die today I'm not going down today I don't want this as my victory he says what do we do and I says well I says they're going to throttle us here now in 10 minutes because I'm running out of energy my hands were black and blue from clapping to try and scare them I says we'll make a run for them and I says if the scatter all in good. If they kill us, at least we'll die, die on our, die stand up as men rather than on our knees as wimps up here. So I says, right, gather our gear, right, ready, okay. So we ran. And lucky enough now, they parted like the Red Sea. They opened up and we got past them and Cal says, right, we'll just walk. And I was like, okay, I cool, Rodney, I cool, Rodney. So we're walking and we're walking and walking. We're about 100 yards from the electric fence and it started charging at us again. So it was like a scene out of Indiana Jones, us two <laughs> flying across this field with all the camera gear and all. And I, we just came towards the fence. I dropped and rolled underneath the fence. But just as I had rolled underneath the fence, the cow's head had smacked off the electric fence. So it was just right on me hole, you know. Oh my God. So, and he said you're never coming back to Cork again. Well, it wasn't an adventure. That sounds like, like you such know. a treacherous job you have. Well, <laughs> that was probably one of no, the No, not worst. even job. Hobby. Hobby, yeah. <laughs> But it's becoming more and more job now. You have one. You have another one that I thought was really interesting that you put up about the um, the gallows tunnel in Uri. A gallows tunnel, yeah, gallows tunnel. Uh, I didn't even know that existed. Nobody does, and if if that was in Edinburgh, or if it was in Belfast, there would be guided tours of it. You know. And it's beside a play park. It's beside a play park, so I'd love to know who, who the planning commissioner or who planned that at the time, because it was only. Um, well, the Gallows Tunnel dates back to the times of rebellion, before prison reforms, really. Um, and what they used to do was they used to hang people on the Gallows Three. There wasn't an actual gallows there at the time, so you were taking up that tunnel. This is up now. We 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 can we can say where this is. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's up in Heather Park there, uh, in Newry. It's yeah. at the top of Heather Park, and there's a plaque and all, uh, letting you know that this is Gallows Hill, but. They used to hang people on the tree, and I think the tree was actually there up until the 80s, and it was actually given, it was cut down, and as far as I can remember, the story goes, it was given to a children's art charity, and they made um, wooden sculptures out of the, the gallows tree, they possibly had maybe 100, 200 people hung on it, but... Um, the, the, the gallows, the entrance to the tunnel is still there, but it's covered up, and it, it's gated off, but I remember... Heather Park was the carry-out spot when we were growing up and we were going to the Magnus Centre and things like that. I remember the original old wrought iron gates. Um, we used to sit at these steps, have a few tins. Little did we know that this was the, the tunnel from jail to the, the gallows just over. There was always an un- unnerving feeling about there, but 
Strawy didn't know at the if time. If there's ever anywhere there's going to be ghosts, it'll be there. That would be probably the the hard to think. And you know, there's a it's, it's like a production line, so they would have been uh, they would have been arrested and taken to um, taken to the army barracks over where Mornview is now, um, courthouse, sentence, and then taken up there for execution. And then nine times out of ten, they would have been buried in the Church of Ireland behind. So there's two, um, two very famous executions up there, is uh, Cochrane's and Loans to talk about. Um, they were part of the seventeen ninety eight rebellion, and they were coming back from the Battle of Balnehinch, and they sucked shelter out to Belfast Road. But in the meantime, the woman was feeding them. She sent the husband into um, Linen Hall Square Barracks. It would have been at the time, and. Uh, Actually, the, the Welsh Yeomanry came out and um, they captured them, tucked them up. And at that time, then, it was classed as um, treason. So they were hung, drawn and quartered in Heather Park. And then, 100 years later, they decided to put uh, a play park in the place of execution. So I just don't know how that went down, how that conversation went down. You know, put them swings over there beside that where that noose was, you know, it's... It's strange, yeah. obviously, they yeah. know the history or... A lot of people don't know the history of Newry, or unaware that there is any history of the town, and Newry has a lot to offer. But even outside of Newry now, um, um, like Bestbrook? Bestbrook, yeah. Well, now, yeah. I was just reading um, on Arma, I actually, the other day, that they were talking about, you know, um, developing... Um, in the old barracks there. The old barracks, they're yeah. They're developing and turning it into one of the flats, which they're kind of saying, you know, is, you know, the people of Bestbrook need, need an upgrade. But at yeah. the same time, like, there's so much history there and it's like, you're never going to see, like, anything. You drive into Bestbrook and it's like driving into another century. Yeah, yeah. Which is, it's it, just, it it's a shame that they don't yeah. keep some, restore some of the... It was originally, uh, like, a, a Quaker village. Um, yeah. There's no bars in it. And it is, it's, it's set in time. And it should be, you know, there was a mill previously... To that mill that became the barracks and it burnt down and built a new mill and then the British Army took it over there. So, you know, there's an awful lot of history, awful lot of history. It was once the busiest heliport in Europe. But yeah, there has to be some sort of preservation. And St. Clair's Convent um, is another place I visited. I had a permission visit to it not long after it closed. I got to go in with the camera for a few hours and photograph the place. Um, the thing about Sinclair's is now that, um, I've spoke about this before, but there is actually a company um, in consultation to build housing in the area, but the main chapel area um, of, of the convent is listed, so they have to preserve it. So I've seen a mock-up of the drawings that they're actually going to make, make a community centre, communal area in the chapel now. So they have to have it. They're preserving it, basically. Yeah. There's going to be modern housing, which is needed everywhere, but they're actually preserving some of the history because it's very historical because two wee nuns, I've said this, but everybody's probably sick of hearing the story, but two wee nuns came up from Dublin in the middle of the Catholic Emancipation Act hadn't passed, so it's still illegal to be a Catholic, but they decided to buy a house between an orange hall and a bar and set up a school for girls. Well, I thought, just thought it was so brave of them at that, those times, um, and they built what was now, the, when they had to hit Sacred Hearts, uh, Sacred Hearts School then, you know, became, they opened their grammar school later on, but um, it has to be preserved, you know. Um, I think there, there was a period in, in, in Irish history, um, everywhere that places were just knocked down, they were destroyed, like, like the Wicklow Jail, Wicklow Jail, Wicklow County Council used Wicklow Jail as a storage facility, they ripped off all the original jail doors and everything, and it was only then, maybe ten years it later. It was restored then, was it? Yeah, ten years later, they realised, geez, you know, tourism industry is is big business. Probably right, it was around the same time that Kilmainham Jail started to get restored. Yeah. Said, you know, I didn't even realise that. I thought that was the original because I've been in Wicklow Jail, and I remember thinking afterwards, it really is kind of wrong to have this as a tourist place, really, mm. because it's so, it's so sad. The stories in there are. Story you know they say it's the most haunted place in Ireland and all that kind of. I've slept overnight in three or four it's times. So, it's, um, so, it's so sad because most of the people that were in jail, in Wicklow jail, were in jail for like robbing a loaf of bread or, you know. Yeah, well, it was pre-prison uh, pre, pre reform, so um, you might have been in the cell with 50 other people, men, women and children. Like, you could have been in there with paedophile, rapists, murderers, it didn't matter, you were torn in together. Uh, no bed and you had uh, straw on the floors and... It was horrendous, like they, they used yeah, to I mean, say. Children, what are you yeah. 
loaves of people were starving around the times of yeah. you know the famine people were stealing loaves of bread just to feed themselves but they used to have the executions outside Wicklow's jail. They used to have the executions at the at the water. Like um, um, it wasn't for humanitarian reasons that they stopped the executions. Was the Wicklow fishermen put a protest in and get to Wicklow County Council at the time that nobody wanted to buy the fish because they were covered in blood. So that's why they stopped executing. They executed people and the heads rolled into the into the water or the blood. You know the bay was soaked in blood, but. They, they didn't so stop. that was the reason this well, The reason was because nobody buy the fish because the fish were covered in mud and uh, uh, blood and guts, you know. So horrendous places. But, but like it doesn't matter where you go, you know, there'll be a lot of our history is hidden, you know. Like we have the asylum up, we, I've done the asylum up in, um, up in Galway. Like, you know, it's it went viral. So it did. I had something like 250,000 impressions on it. It just... I didn't expect it to take off. It just took off, and next minute it was shared everywhere. It's uh, like that that building. It's it's unbelievably huge. It's like four stories, basement sub basement, and a lot of people nicknamed it uh, Asylum X because it's in the shape of it has you know four um wings leading into the center. You know, so like it took me six visits even to document. I would say half of it. You know, but um. But these places are dotted all all over the country, you know. Something so where's like. your where's your next adventure when when? Well, we'll have to see what I I Rona's doing, you know. Yeah. We were supposed to go to Italy, but the part of Italy we we're supposed to go to was the uh, northern Italy, the highest corona numbers in in Europe at the time. So I'm not I, I can't name the, the locations, but there's four old asylums that were built back in the eighteen hundreds. The Italians do everything in style. They they built these the these asylums and. The inside of them are like fresco ceilings and the marble columns and everything of grandeur. So they're absolutely beautiful, and a lot of them are still still preserved. You know, so. So that's the uh, real juxtaposition then. These yeah. beautiful buildings, yeah. and, but they're actually but they're asylums. So what they're yeah. used for. You know. Uh, so it's capturing <clears throat> that. Uh, well, the, a lot of buildings like were hidden. I remember one of the most daunting moments I ever had was um we were in Austria. And we were having a, uh, an absolutely amazing holiday in Austria. But we went to, uh, we were on the Orient Express and everything, but we were taking, saying, oh, and tomorrow we're going to a wee village called Matchhausen. And I said, right, oh, this will be lovely. Um, so we arrived up in this place on the train, and it was like something you'd see in a chocolate box. It was just beautiful up on the mountains. It was, but I think one of, the, one of the conflicts, I think, was it the Bosnian, Bosnian War was going on at the time, and you could hear the bombs going off, but you weren't too far away from the, the border, you could hear the bombs and the, the, the guns and the shells and everything going off. And it felt a wee bit like home at the time, you know. <laughs> but this place is beautiful. Just couldn't get over how, you know, you're up in the, the, the mountains and the trees and unreal. And he goes, right, we're going on our trip now. He says, we're going, we're going to the, they were taking, I didn't know that we were getting taken to the concentration camp, you know. Oh God. And it was all hidden by trees and they pretended that the, 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 the locals didn't know it was there, you know, but, the thing about Mottshausen was that it was a it was a death camp, you know. There was select if you went to life size switching out there, there was selection. You had a chance, you might have worked, but you were sent to Mottshausen. Um Joseph Mangley would have practiced out of there, so you would have been used for maybe experimentation, but ninety nine percent of the people you you were sent to Mottshausen, you were sent for it was it was the death camp and yeah. I really couldn't take it all in because at, at the time like, you know, um like I stopped watching the news as a child because it was two killed here, two killed there, soldier killed here, policeman killed there, everybody, you know, it was just, it was just awful, you know, but I thought growing up to, during the Troubles that I'd seen and heard it all, but we were going through the tour and they took us, they, they, they took us down to the, the ovens, yeah. they've kept everything in this place, I switched to took a lot of the stuff out, but the ovens and the gas chambers they've kept. And it still didn't dawn on me because I was actually what was actually going through my head was that these big wrought iron ovens and I says well they must have these big ovens to cook a lot of bread for all the the you know all the inmates you know and then somebody said to me they put the people in there and then my my the blood just drained from me um because it just that's a start just everything just 
click the gas. Oh my god! I, so I, I only hearing about it, but actually seeing. I actually felt fate that showed us the gas chambers and explained it. Uh, I just I couldn't I couldn't comprehend what was going on here, but what what to find out after they liberated it, um, when anybody escaped, the the locals chased them down with pitchforks and basically killed them. So when the camp was liberated, like a lot of the other camps, that they actually they took the locals up to start burying the bodies and things because they knew they knew that it was there, you know. And as much as they try and hide the fact, but they all knew that, you know. So that was one of the most daunting explorers or places I've ever been to, and it's still a, there's not a day goes by where I don't think about it, you know. Yeah. And something that would stay with you forever. It will stay with you forever because you just can't. I still can't comprehend. How cruel somebody could be, you know, yeah. or you know, it's, it's 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 above cruelty, you know. That's one that sticks me forever, you know. And there's, you know, and I suppose like, I felt the same way about what I felt in Montserrat, and I felt the same way, um, about when I when I discovered the whole when everything and Castle Pollock, Mother and Baby. Something. I knew you were going to say that yeah. actually because I was just thinking about yeah. that when you were saying it. It takes some some kind of special effed up human being to bury children in shoeboxes, you know, yeah. nameless, you know, and, you know, it's, 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 it's the same sense of cruelty I found that the Nazis, to the Jews, they, they treated the uh, Jewish people and other uh, Eastern Europeans as sub, subhuman, and they treated these girls like that, and the children, I, uh, the babies, were, were treated even worse, you know, um, and it's you know people you know see it as a hobby, and I'm trying to report what what what's going on, but it sticks with you, you know. Yeah. Uh, it, it it can come and haunt you, you know. I'll we'll finish it on a on a happy note. Yeah, well, it, yeah. It got a bit heavy I, there, you know. But, <laughs> on a happy note um, I don't want everybody getting depressed now when the senior man lost coming up on Facebook. But I cut a long story short. We went to the place and. Um, in Cork, a huge, huge boys' home. I can't. Oh, name. we're back in Cork. We're back in Cork again. <laughs> we survived the cow trauma. Um, I had a couple of good steaks that night to get my own back, but <laughs> we're back in Cork. We're in this building, and it was used for a film. It was um, it was the setting for a song for Reggae Boy. Um, oh, right. People, yeah. people might know where it is by by me name and the the film it was in, but we got attacked by a subspecies of pigeon. Right, the, and people don't believe me till I show them the photographs. But over time, pigeons have got into this school, and this school is absolutely massive. It'd probably be about twice, twice, three times the size of Buttercream Shopping Centre. Over okay. four floors, it's just huge, a huge boarding school, and uh, and it has its own history. But that's for another time. We'll talk about that another time. Uh, but over time, pigeon chicks have been hatched in the place. And the windows have been sealed with steel. So these pigeons have been living in complete darkness. And they've developed... Um, so they, they, some of them have... So no, they're actually mutilated. They've actually mutilated over time. Or mutated. Yeah, mutilated, mutated, <laughs> Chernobylized, uh, whatever you call it, these things have... Um, so I, I, I was upstairs on this absolutely huge, huge corridor. This corridor must be about two, three hundred yards long. And it would have been all, um, all beds for the for the for the lads, you know. And I hear this rustling, and I sort of started to uh, crap myself a wee bit, you know. And expect it, boom, boom, these head head banging off the steel, head banging off the steel. What the hell is this? So I started, I packed up my gear, and around, and I thought it was somebody messed about. But anyway, we're down into this big, huge church area, and it was surreal because it's complete pitch darkness, only for this one circular window in the roof. And the altar and all is still there. It's surreal. It's huge. And, but these things started charging at the walls and all of it. I ain't thinking one flew over the cuckoo's nest for pigeons here. So they started headbutting stuff and all. And it was only until one headbutt. They're head headbutting the wall that much that it actually killed itself. And I looked at it. It had no eyes. It had no eyes. So these have developed or mutated for years of hatching inside a completely pitch black. What did they eat? I don't know. Each other. It wasn't hanging about to find out. <laughs> Oh God, that sounds horrible. They could be cannibalistic because there, you know, there could be vermin in it. I don't know what, what the pigeons eat, but we photographed the place. I got my album and we got out. But Did you get any photograph of these spooky birds? I might have. I might still have some photographs. <laughs> of I, I actually 
took a video of the the board behind the altar hitting the hitting the wall. I, I it was just it was like it was possessed or something, you know. And um, when you see that in the pitch black with just this wee trick of light coming in your centre right? it's time to get the head out of the dog yeah, here. Like you know, so yeah, that was that So was, now you're definitely not going back to court. Definitely <laughs> not going back to court. No, definitely not. I, you know, with COVID, um, COVID, I'm keeping it local um, at the moment. Um, we're just, we're, I'm photographing um, all the, the buildings of, of, you know, around Neary and things. We can't travel. Um, so until COVID's lifted, I'm sort of grounded, you know. Yeah. I have a, well, there's plenty to see around here. Yeah, yeah like Neary's full of history, you know what I mean? And you, you, you can spend you can spend hours hours photographing, but uh, um, I I enjoy I enjoy showcasing the town. I think one of the reasons it started in Neary Man, I suppose, the history of the town, the showcase it because we were proud pr- proud of the history of of the town. It is an immense history, but I don't think there's enough done about promoting it, you know. And I do history tours throughout the throughout the year and things, and um, people are just shocked with. You know, they, they walk past these buildings, they, they don't even know. you know, they go and get their coffee, they do their shop, and they don't realise what's, what's around them. So I suppose that was part of it. So uh, while I'm not allowed to travel, I'm trying to showcase what we what we have in the town at the minute. But as soon as the uh, travel restrictions are lifted, we'll be... Dumping. And your life at risk again. Well, <laughs> we, we, we sometimes, we learn from our mistakes sometimes, you know, so... Yeah. But obviously, to get some of the shots we get, you have, there's some element of danger and I think that little element of danger drives us too because it's an adrenaline buzz you know yeah. and that lights you're, you're absolutely buzzing yeah, of you course know? I could imagine you know but yeah well I could talk to you all day we could go all day uh, yeah. we could yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I have, suppose I have to wrap it up sometime yeah. so it was um, great hearing all those stories Sean and um, I urge anybody to check out um, Yuri Man Lost because it's some, there's some brilliant brilliant pictures there that was a great chat with Sean thanks so much for listening if you visit his Facebook page Nuri Man Lost you'll find the amazing photographs that go with all of the stories that he's just told us um, remember to keep getting all of your news from Arma Eye and I hope that you'll join us for our podcast next time Black Hill Energy, heating homes across County Armagh. Fill up your tank for a rainy day with County Armagh's fastest growing fuel company. For latest prices, visit our website at www.blackhillenergy.net or call us today on 02838 344 223. Black Hill Energy, Ansborough Industrial Park, Lurgan.